All right, the Fan Morning Show is back on the air a few hours after one organization was rescued, while another might have finally taken the knockout punch on the chin. We will get to that. The Blue Jays, more Leafs talk. It's going to be another busy morning on the Fan Morning Show. Justin Cuthbert and Brent Gunning. Good morning, Gunner. How are we doing out there? Fired up. Little Wednesday. We're halfway there. Let's do it. Yeah, it's. Uh, it feels like this is the first day of the Leafs offseason, if that makes any sense. Maybe that's just our how we've had to handle things, coloring that opinion, but there's like other sports that... We plan on talking about today. Yeah, I mean, I watched a lot of that. I uh, watched a lot of that that Nuggets Lakers game last night. Obviously, uh, the Blue Jays. We've, uh, I'll be honest, we've had a little bit of dereliction of duty, not giving them their their due here. But we have been bogged down in Leafsland. Yeah, time to uh, time to stretch our legs. And I'm sure because we said that, we'll get some certainty on Kyle Dubas in the next day or two, and then that will throw us right back into uh, off season haywire mode Listen, that we've been if, in with the Leafs, which we, I am totally if fine. If we to get live some in. live news on Kyle Dubas, I'm not going to be hating on it. Oh, a the little election of duty. A little will continue a little Danish. While we, while we break news here, that'd be, that would be nice. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how our various insiders would feel about that. Mm-hmm. You know, Kipper, you know, he's, he's like insider ish. Like he could do it if he wants, but he doesn't. He told us he's, ready to rock at seven every morning wouldn't be a problem for him but i don't know you know late nights working playoffs i don't know maybe maybe i'm just gonna say as much as i would like breaking news for us i think the insiders would say you can wait till 9 30 that'd be a okay which would be terrible for us quite uh, frankly we'll get to it tomorrow that's all good we'll, we'll definitely get our due uh let me explain the opening i suppose uh the organization rescued, maybe that's a bit hyperbolic, but Victor Wembayama is going to be a member of the San Antonio Spurs after the Spurs won the draft lottery last night. Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, who's, you know, definitely a guy a lot of people have their tweet notifications set Settle to. down, Woj. He got pretty excited. He called uh, Wembayama maybe the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. So that tells you a little bit about what actually went down last night and uh, how important those lottery balls were for the San Antonio Spurs. The Raptors did not win the draft lottery. Clearly, they will pick 13th. I, I, one thing that's hilarious uh, to me about, uh, you know, the reaction after mm-hmm. um, a, a draft lottery of any sort is like, I've heard I've heard and read three different pieces that okay. have been like, oh, this team came agonizingly close to winning. Like, not all of you can just barely not win Wembayama. <laughs> I saw it for the Rockets, yeah. the Wizards, and the Portland Trailblazers. All of them were just a whisker away from getting Wembayama. Somehow all of them. And yet it still went to the San Antonio it'll, Spurs. It'll shock you that I remember this, but when the Connor McDavid draft lottery happened, it came out afterwards that the Leafs basically went bar. It was, it was actually exactly like the Leafs now they're getting their looks it just didn't fall mm. right off the bar uh Bob that's the name of the lottery ball machine I guess who's too good because yeah the Leafs like rang one right off of the apparatus that sucks the ball up and uh with the rest is history they got their guy mm-hmm. uh, and the Leafs have theirs but yeah I uh I I don't know who wants that because if you like I understand the reporter's gonna put it out there because it's gonna get a ton of engagement well, they gotta write their story but yeah. if you are a fan of Max of Houston, of Detroit, of whoever, Charlotte, and you hear, because again, like I'm going to, you know, I poo-poo Woj's comments a little bit on the greatest prospect, but it's like, this is franchise altering and not for a year or two. This is like a generation of basketball that will be altered by this guy. Uh, should, should you, uh, should, should he stay healthy? So I completely get it, but there is nothing a fan wants to hear less than you were so close. At least if your team is close to winning something, you can convince yourself that you're you're close. Mm-hmm. That is just pure dumb luck that you were close on and you didn't hit. 
uh, the, the Spurs and Greg Popovich continue to live a bit of a charmed life. Uh, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, and now Victor Wembayama, they have drafted first three times, and that's the haul each time. Uh, a generational player for their organization. We expect at least Wemby to be just that. So Pop probably sticking around a little longer because he's say. got uh, the greatest prospect in the history of team sports as per Woj. And as per Woj, I mean, we listen to as per Woj. Uh, is is going to San Antonio, so Popovich okay, we, has another big tool to just play again with. quickly. Like we do, we do listen to Woj, and I'm not going to sit here. I just and meant say, the Asper. When yeah, I say okay, Asper, it's like right. oh, oh basketball me. news. Yes, very much so. We this is just hyperbole in the moment. Is if I set no, you the, might have to chew on this I, one day. He if might, I, he might if I set the he over under on he is going to be the second and a half best basketball player of all time. Is he going to be third or is he going to be second? Because I remember not just in this, not just of all time, in this century, LeBron James, high school prospect, mm-hmm. games on national television. Like, I, and I want to be clear, not saying Wembenyama can't be great, can't be generational, can't go rip off a ton of MVPs and a ton of titles. LeBron is still doing it. He's still in the league. And we had this. And this was not 50 years ago that we got to go back into the archives. Woj was there. I'm pretty sure he talked about him. He can remember. So love hyperbole of the moment. I am guilty of it more than anyone uh, regarding certain things. But I just had to poo-poo this. And it's mostly just because I got to stick up for my guy, LeBron. Uh, Danielle, I'm putting you on the spot. If if you want to jump on and give us a Wemby opinion, because you're our resident basketball expert and especially uh, draft prospect expert, uh, you're welcome to. uh, LeBron, by the way, uh, lost game one of the Western Conference final with the Lakers, 132-126. The Denver Nuggets, three wins away from going to the NBA finals. Danielle, your Wemby report. Oh, the Wemby report. This is cool. Um he can change the course of that franchise, no question. Uh, if we're looking at what he actually brings, think about, I guess, the way to phrase it, and from what I've seen of him, is combination of Giannis fluidity with the shot-making ability of, like, Kevin Durant. That's what you're thinking about. The okay. way <laughs> That's it's, <pretty> good. <laughs> it's high praise, it's high lo- like, but it's it's if you look at the way he plays and how he He's seven foot three. He's this unicornish player, but he also has the shot making ability of the top kind of scores in the league. And <laughs> what we're saying that is interesting. It's fascinating, but you don't see guys, I guess, who are seven three and do that stuff, right? Like that's the difference in all of this is the fact that he's seven foot three and he's playing like a guard. There you go. Seven foot three playing like a guard. When Maybe Woj is right. Brought to you by Danelli. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get that sponsored uh, probably by uh, next week. Uh, as I mentioned, the San Antonio Spurs revived uh, another team in the Southwest, maybe dead. The Arizona Coyotes. Their bid for a new arena appears to be dead. Uh, they had a vote. Tuesday's referendum, they're calling it. Voters in the Phoenix suburb of Tempe were strongly opposed to building a $2.3 billion entertainment district that would include the new arena that the Coyotes need, likely, in order to stay in Arizona. They've had nine lives. The Coyotes have had nine lives. I don't know if they have another one. Gary Bettman. I wonder if there's a desert cat. Like, they're the desert dogs, but, like, with the nine lives, there should be think, a cat of some I type. I think, I've, I'm not I think gonna... I've been in Arizona and seen a lynx run across okay, the road. Sure, so we, maybe we could call it the lynx. Arizona lynx. Maybe <laughs> better than Arizona Coyotes, although you hear Coyotes too. Uh, Gary Bettman on the news. The NHL is terribly disappointed by the results of the public referenda regarding the Coyotes Arena project in Tempe. We are going to review the Coyotes. 
with the Coyotes, rather, what the options might be moving forward. I'm sure he will exhaust them, but I'm not sure there's another uh, turn to make here if you're Gary Bettman. We might have some serious, serious NHL news at some point in the near future. He might as well have been holding the two sides of the defibrillator, rubbing them together, saying, we're doing everything we can. I will save my baby. This is, we all know it. Like, we all make the jokes and everything. This is Gary's baby, okay? They... I don't know what we're still doing there. You did the thing you could have done. You gave the Leafs two great players and Austin Matthews and Matthew Nyes. Okay. What else is there to accomplish there? You have tried. It clearly doesn't work. You had the, and I know everyone's going to say they don't rig draft lotteries. And I mostly in my heart of hearts believe that mm-hmm. if you wanted to save them, you had your chance three weeks ago or whatever it was, but or two weeks ago, putting Connor Bedard in place. I guess it was just last week. It's been a long, long hockey week for me here. Okay. It makes no sense to continue to try this experiment. The only reason they will not do it is because they do not want to tuck tail and run on an American market in the Southwest. And Phoenix, look, I understand the idea of why you want to make it work. Like, it's stuff we don't think of here. When you look at the metropolitan TV numbers, it is a top 10 TV market in the United States. I completely understand why you would want to try to make that work. You've tried. You've tried. And you've tried again. And now even the people of... Tempe, Tucson, Phoenix, wherever they're having this referendum are saying, we don't want anything to do with it either. So I don't know. There was buzz about Houston for a while. The Quebec City thing feels like the biggest pipe dream humanly possible. Obviously, anytime we talk about teams in the NHL, people always wonder about a second Toronto team. But just because of that, you know, there was the, I'm trying to remember if it was Tillman Fertitta, who uh, the businessman who owns Rockets and everything. And he, there was some belief with maybe the arena deal that there could be a home possibly in Houston. Sure. That'd be another great market for the NHL to, to get into, but you have to have a solid foundation. That's been the problem in Arizona. You know, I'm not going to pretend to remember what it was like at the very beginning there, but so long as I remember the coyotes being an entity, this has been the story every time. And boy, that Shane Doan, doesn't he deserve our respect? That's all you ever talk about with this team. It, it might be also an extremely Coyotes reason why they lost this vote in such uh, devastating fashion. According to Frank Saravelli, he wrote this before, I believe, uh, the announcement of yeah, the, he did. Of the, uh, the vote was tabulated. This, and I quote Frank here, the belief is the Coyotes spent less than 250000 to activate the vote, opting for a bootstrap campaign, while the opposition to this spent over, upwards of $2 million backed by high-power labor unions who have not received a guarantee that they will be the ones building the project. So These guys got to watch Succession. Get that thumb on the scale. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it, it, this has been... Uh, this has been, you know, they've gone through financial peril. They've had squabbles with, like lease agreements and paying rent and ultimately it coming down to spending less to try to secure a $2.3 billion project mm-hmm. uh, and not, not even spending less, spending less than a quarter million dollars to try to secure a $2.3 billion project. Uh, ultimately, you might deserve what you get in this point, at yeah. this point. I, I don't know how you can look at it and, and say elsewhere. The idea of we're just going to go door knocking and put up some lawn signs and that's going to be enough to sway people into spending their, their tax dollars. Like, I, we don't need to get into that aspect of it, but it's just a terrible deal for the taxpayer every time. So regardless of what institution is doing it, where it is, generally speaking, always a bad deal for the taxpayer. The fact that this organization has given them nothing, mm-hmm. like that's the whole, that's the whole bet is that the people love the team and they, ha- they don't care. 
That's what we've been screaming up here forever, going, hey, Gary, they don't love you like that down there. And guess what? The votes came in. They don't love you like that. Oh, you're used to not paying tax? You don't suddenly want to pay tax. No. Uh, I guess that's the situation in Tempe and in Arizona. Um, okay, let's get to the Blue Jays, who drop another game to the Yankees, 6-3. That ball uh, landed from Judge yet, do you think? Uh, I it, I think it broke a okay. sign okay. At, at the West Jack <laughs> flight deck. Um, but I called them the Yankees. I meant to call them the Cheaty Boys because mm. it is... <laughs> It is nothing but dishonesty uh, as the Yankees double down with two consecutive victories to start this series. And the roller coaster continues here for the Blue Jays, who can win in in bunches, uh, coming off a three-game series sweep of the Atlantic Braves. Uh, But it seems like every time they meet an AL East opponent, they are overmatched. And I guess it all comes out in the wash. If it's sweep here, sweep here, sweep here, and you're toggling back and forth, it's not going to get you very far. I guess you can tread water. But you're not quite treading water if you're getting swept by ALE's competition with regularity and everybody else keeps winning. Another win for Tampa Bay, another win for Baltimore last night. So uh, this uh, red flags are plenty here, um, but it's not like uh, the Blue Jays are losing without controversy. No, I mean, hey, we'll get to the controversy in a second, including one of the most interesting quotes I can ever remember hearing from a, from an official in, involving any game. But yeah, how can you not have some concern? This Yankees team, however you feel about them, you hate them, you don't, you think they're a bunch of cheaty boys, and hey, maybe they are, maybe they're just towing the line of baseball. We can have that argument, I'm sure we will in a second here, but you're going to have to go through them. Okay, there's no world where you don't have to go through the Yankees, you don't have to go through the Rays. One of those two things is going to be standing between you and wherever you want to go in the postseason. This is very much a leaf conversation that we had all year long of, cool, that's great. You think you're better than Carolina? That doesn't matter a lick because you're not going to see them until a conference final. And when you look at when you look at the way baseball is set up, the Blue Jays got to go through those teams now. The good news is, is that they don't got to see the Yankees again once this series is done. Well, that's why they're getting the cheating out of well, the way, right? That's the thing. Well, there's certainly something to that, the idea of it. But they don't have to see the Yankees again. And this is where baseball, this is the whole point of a baseball season for a team like the Blue Jays. Obviously, you want to make strides. But you want to hang around long enough for your good stretch to push you to the top of your division. That's what you want to do. Or as the deadline approaches for your good run of play, because a team as talented as the Blue Jays, they are going to rip off a really, really nice run. We've seen it from them already. You will see it again. And it's just, you have to hang around, but it, how can you not be concerned looking at the, looking at what they've done against the Yankees, against the Rays, against the Red Sox, even who aren't, who are far from world beaters in the division and the O's aren't going anywhere. So Man, thank goodness they rebalanced, unbalanced, whatever. I always forget the the phrasing of it, but with the division schedule here, so you don't have to face these guys all the time. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about the cheating? Uh, yeah, I, I think we should run it down because it does color my opinion on the game. Uh, Monday night, Aaron Judge and Jake Bowers, we can add Jake Bowers to mm-hmm. that list, uh, were suspected of picking up signs from the first and third base coaches. There was a big kerfuffle. Okay, is that a problem? Let's just start there. Uh, it's a problem for the Blue Jays. Yes, okay. Because, and this is what, this is my analysis. Um the, we were sold on the idea that this was supposed to be a more professional, fundamental team okay. with more repeatable results, a more repeatable entity, right? They, they mm-hmm. sort of disperse their talent. They work on fundamentals. John Schneider is different than Charlie Montoyo in the ways that John Schneider thinks he's different than Charlie Montoyo. And yet the house is still not secure. The Yankees come in there and they immediately pick up on things. Yep. They immediately pick up on I don't want to say the lack of fundamentals, but things you need to do as a successful baseball team is to disguise Mm -hmm. what you're doing and hide the things that teams can pick up on to try and take advantage of you. 
ultimately, you know, the AL East being what it is, it's not going to come down to which team can do things better from a strategic standpoint Mm -hmm. this way, but it's part of it. Like there's, it's, there's parody. All these teams are really good. And if the Yankees can come in there and just gain a, an advantage on you like that, it's an issue. So this team was, we were sold. Hey, this, it might not be, you know, fewer home runs with Teoscar Hernandez, Mm -hmm. but man, they're going to play good defense and the little things that they do. It's going to impress the hell out of you. And it's going to win ball games. When in reality, this team doesn't have his house in order. And they got Jay Jackson going back down to the minors, talking to Ken Rosenthal yep. on the bus on the way there saying, yeah, I was tipping my pitches. And, and it's just like, guys, this was supposed to be like organized. It was supposed to be in order. And yet it seems with relative ease, the Yankees have picked up on things and exploited them. And you can't tell me that other teams aren't doing the exact same thing. Maybe that's the difference between sweeping a team and then getting swept is one has an advantage on you. The other simply didn't have it. Yeah, there's there's certainly something to that. And that's why Caleb Joseph will be great on this at 730. He can talk to Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen, the job that they are involved in with, with that regards. The other part of this as well, and I want to be clear, this is something I'm going to ask Caleb. This is not something I'm accusing John Schneider of, but this is a guy who is new to the big leagues. And there is just a whole different apparatus at this level of the game. And John Schneider has been around baseball his whole life, but Major League Baseball is something he is recently back into. You know, he was around the team for a little bit. Then he got the bump. And this isn't to say that there are massive things that I think this is John Schneider's fault, but there are just little things that people have been around this level of the game for, for you know, years and years, decades and decades, that maybe there's something there that he's not doing. Obviously, Pete Walker, he was the guy who was right there in the thick of the schism with him yesterday. He's seen it all, so I don't, I'm not putting that on Schneider, but that's something I think will be really good to ask Caleb Joseph about. Uh, in terms of the cheating, I want to get to that, but I, while well, I'm talking about Schneider, I just have to say, how good was that for his PR of him just mouthing? Yeah, I think I eh. be quiet. My lad, I don't know. I'm so I'm so scared of language these days. Yelling, shut up. Yeah, okay. You, I can I, you do shut we up. can do a shut I up. You were thinking the other thing. No, what, no, what no. Followed shut up yeah. might be a little. Shut up, body shaming <laughs> to someone shaming. on the Yankees. Okay, <laughs> do we like we think that's to Aaron Boone? The, him clear as day saying that the John Boy lip readings out there loved it. I mm. think how can you not if you're somebody who wants your team to show fight? This was the whole thing between him and Montoyo for last year. If Charlie would have walked out there and been like, "Let's all sit in a circle, let's let's settle this together," and what is what does Schneider do? He says, "No, I'm going to scream at the team because this is my team and that's who I'm concerned about." So I think you love that. The other part of it with the uh, is kind of the reaction. I want to talk about it to the cheating is, and the Yankees I think do have some. They have some leg to stand on of getting their back up about the Blue Jays being so sensitive about this. If you don't want them to steal your sign, if if you think they're doing something untoward Astros level, come out and say and, it. And they or, came up with something real with the, the third and first base yep. coaches were not in the box they were supposed to be, and they were the ones likely relaying, relaying those signs. And so that's real. Right, but... Go look at where Luis Rivera stands when Vlad Jr.'s at play. Okay, like, this is the the coach's box. Go watch an NBA game. Where are these guys? Nowhere near where they're supposed to be. So, yes, there's something there. Yeah, but but the coach on the NBA floor is not actively helping someone hit a three-pointer. No, but the the idea that that a 
coach has never stood outside of a, a base box. 100%, is ridiculous, 100%. Okay. So the Yankees, I don't like how thin skinned and sensitive they've been about it. But when you look at the Blue Jays, they have the right to feel the exact same way. The man in white was the biggest story in the AL East for two years running of a guy who's standing out there and he's raising his hand for fastballs. That was even more ridiculous than what the Yankees are being accused of. So I completely understand people getting their backs up about the Yankees and the reaction to it. But again, it goes back to what you said. If it is some Astros level thing, then I was about to say slap him on the wrist. Don't give him a severe penalty that makes sure this never happens again. We know it's not. But it's not. So then just take care of your own business. Quit complaining about the Mm -hmm. Yankees. I love the flyer. The players are showing. I love what Schneider's doing, all that. I have no problem with it. But fix your issue, and that won't be one. Yeah, you're right about John Schneider. You're right about the Blue Jays. You're right about, like, the adversarial nature of this rivalry. Uh, It's definitely a rivalry for us. The New York Yankees may not consider it the same way. But there's nothing more entertaining when watching the Blue Jays than seeing them go toe-to-toe emotionally and physically with the the New York Yankees. What was everybody's favorite favorite Alec Manoa moment last year. Exactly. Him, yeah. That's why we love Alec Manoa. And that's why it's hurting so much mm-hmm. that Alec Manoa suddenly cannot pitch uh, in the major leagues. But like, yes, even going back to A-Rod, when um, um, Howie, I'm forgetting the name. Clark. Howie no, Clark? I don't know. I, the guy who dropped the third, uh, the, the pop-up oh, to third I base. Oh, I do know what you're like talking that about, yeah. And Matt Stairs sitting yep. on the on the cooler. Yep. Like, all that stuff. That's when the Blue Jays are at their most entertaining. When they're going head-to-head yes. with the Evil Empire, that's when it's always uh, the most fun. And I like how John Schneider's the guy that's going to be like, no, we're going to stand up to this team. However, you've got to take care of your shop. I totally and, forgot that was against the Jays with the Is it A-Rod. Howie Clark? Why does that no, not I don't sound know. Right? I don't know why. Uh, but I just, well, because the thing that I remember about that from A-Rod Someone was, text line was he, got, he got asked about it and he said, no, I didn't call mine. I just said, I said, ha, really loud. Like that's somehow less nefarious. And mm-hmm. again, it's all within the rules. You're supposed to do that. It wouldn't be the first time someone's called mine for a pop-up or I don't know. We're both hockey guys. How many times a guy's been bit with beaver, somebody on the other team, beaver tailing behind them and it's a drop pass and it's going the other way. Like that's just gamesmanship. I mean, that's that's yeah. one of the beer league moves is, is, is trying <laughs> is, to call for it a It is pass. a hot beer that's, league move. It's, it's the best. It doesn't work at the end. You don't have to back much, check. It's great, but it works in beer league. But okay. So that's the thing that we can't really complain about. What we can complain about though, I think is this next uh, instance of the Cheaty Boys taking over. The oh game. yeah, this this one we can hammer them for Tuesday night. Domingo Herman uh, after going through the order clean once. So well, nine up, well, nine well, down. Well, his performance was clean. His performance was clean. Uh, nine up, nine down. He was ejected in the middle of the fourth inning after a sticky check in. Uh, yeah, in the fourth inning after rolling through the order once. Uh, the thing is here, Herman by the same group of umpires. The same crew chief had been scolded a month ago, told to wash his hands in a start versus the twins and allowed to stay in after washing his hands. Rocco Baldelli, the twins manager, almost had a coronary while this was happening. Rightfully so. Um, But he was allowed to stay in then. I guess he's lost the benefit of the doubt. And you could see, you know, sticky hand, shiny hand, a little bit of what looked like mud on the pants where the thumb was, you know, Mm -hmm. perfectly situated on the hip. Herman was cheating, got away with three innings. And that's what's kind of annoying here because there's nothing that you can do about those three innings. You don't no, get those gone. Yep. three innings back. If you're the Blue Jays, you just have to basically shrug and be like, oh, we are at a severe disadvantage here because Kevin Gosman's already given up a couple runs. Mm-hmm. And our, 
our, our the first uh, opportunity for each one of our hitters, our entire lineup has been wasted because this guy was using substances to uh, improve his uh, performance. So that's the reason why the Blue Jays can be mad. And I'm sure they're still mad at Aaron Judge. For sure. And they're not going to have another opportunity to see Domingo Herman, at least in this series. They're going to have that opportunity to see Aaron Judge so we can ask uh, and we can talk about what we think might actually happen. But there's just nothing you can do about Domingo Herman. And, uh, you know, the MLB got involved in the the Aaron Judge thing, the, the side eye, the mm-hmm. third and first base coaches. They ruled that nothing really nefarious went on, and that's fine. But we know something nefarious went on here, and the MLB's not going to do anything about it because you can't. It's in the record books already, and the Yankees won the ballgame. Yeah, I mean, it, look, this is the this is the entire thing about how vigilant you have to be with this. You know, obviously they do checks after every inning, so I'm a, I I think that's the interesting part about this is that did he did he feel like he got through the first bit clean and then he was slipping a little bit and he needed some help and that's why he put the tack like because it wouldn't have been the first time he would have been checked. I don't know that it's every inning, but it is more common than once every four. So the idea of him doing that later in the game, but you're right, it's dead and it's gone and there's nothing you can do to to get it back. I hate the rule of go wash your hands. That is awful. I understand the reason it's in place is because, well, sometimes rosin can get really sticky and Mm -hmm. that's not cheating and you do want to, and this is where the gray area lives and it's why it is always a problem. If we're going to talk about this, I do just have to read the quote from home plate umpire James Hoy. Now he spoke to a pool reporter. It was extremely shiny and extremely sticky. It was the stickiest hand I've ever felt just to make it as disgusting as possible. Can I have my yum, 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 please, Sandman? Mm, yum, 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 yeah, yum. That just, I felt like that was disgusting. And that just was the little disgusting rotten cherry on, on top there. Uh, what a gross quote only in baseball. Would you ever hear something like that? But he has to get the 10 games. There's no way you can treat him any way differently than you did Max Scherzer. I could be talked into him getting 15. So it's three starts because repeat offender or he's already been warned if you want to go that way that's the thing though uh how about just like hyper surveillance how about just hey you got a pitch without it and we'll see how consequential that is for the new york yankees because if you need it you need it for a reason right Well, so this is the this is the whole point why are you doing so okay uh, this is the most this is an idea that sounds way too simple that there must be a reason it doesn't happen where it's already happening and i'm just not aware why don't they do the check before the inning is that like a is that a nuts idea as opposed to after the result of the game has already yeah. happened and go oh well that sucks he was cheating all right well sorry jays we'll move on from here why don't they do the check at the beginning mm. i understand the idea of you could hide something somewhere and then check I guess them you both could have times it on your pants then check them both times yeah. like i that is if you want to be hyper vigilant but then this is and i realize these things don't have to take forever although some of these hand checks get like borderline sensual like the ones with shohei otani it takes forever it looks like the guy's getting a hand massage there <laughs> but this the the point i wonder is is that counteractive to what baseball's trying to do they don't want 5 hour games anymore and it's like if you if you're going to be so worried about eliminating 10, 15 seconds on each pitch with the pitch clock, which I want to be clear, I think is wonderful. You're probably pretty worried about eliminating an extra minute and a half, two minutes of hand massage slash hand check before the guy even starts throwing pitches. Uh, we presume uh, there was no need for sticky, sticky substance, that is, for Kevin Gosman, who struck out 10. Just gum. He loves, uh, to, loves yeah, to chew it. Yeah, he loves the... 
I, I think he loves to toss it more he than do- shooting oh, it. Oh, I was going to say, he had nice break in action on a little yeah. slider when he came off the mound there. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he was great again. Ten strikeouts, double-digit strikeouts. He gets through seven innings. Nasty. Uh, but he's let down again. Uh, he did give up a home run to Kiner Falefa uh, after the Herman mm-hmm. delay and how long that inning took. I don't know if that was connected at all, but uh, we see that from time to time. Uh, but yeah, usually on extra rest, he's unbeatable. Not as sharp as he has been on yep. extra rest. He actually had the six days this time. Um, but it's just the same old story where he just deserves better. Kevin Gosman just deserves better. It seems like every single time and he exits with, uh, you know, a chance to not lose the game uh, for sure. Uh, but Eric Swanson goes out there and continues the, the, the pattern of exclusively throwing sliders to mm-hmm. Aaron judge. And he took another one to the moon. Uh, why? I think this is symptomatic of the greater issue here mm-hmm. for the Blue Jays, where it's like, do we feel comfortable throwing just heat at Aaron Judge? Not like, this is this is the whole point I've made, and I I've talked to people about this, and you know the prevailing sentiment seems to be yeah, but it's not that easy. Is that they don't feel comfortable throwing their heat. Mm-hmm. If they had Soto, who's throwing 104, or Duran with the Twins, who exactly. is 102 with cut, then yeah, they do feel comfortable throwing heat. Because guess what? It's not 97. It's 102. And can Judge get a hold of 102? 1,000% he, he can. But it's way harder than doing it with 97. And I'm not saying you need nothing but freaks that are 100-plus back there. You need but a couple you need freaks. A couple. You, it you need is a couple the, freaks. It is the drum I have been banging for so long around this team. And was the Eric Swanson trade a good one? Yes. Do I like Jordan Romano? Yes. Did I like Jimmy Garcia until this year? And who knows what's happening there? Yes. Guess what? I feel so much better if outside of Romano, because I do feel comfortable with him as a closer, but if everybody else gets bumped down a peg or not even bumped down a peg, but you just have the option of, and again, I go back to Duran on the twins because he just is the guy who sticks out in my mind is the nastiest. It's 102 with cut. And mm-hmm. if you can do that, it doesn't really matter if you're locating. It doesn't really matter what your secondary pitch looks like. And that's the thing, that they can't throw heat. It's not that they can't throw heat at Judge. They can't throw their heat yeah, at Judge. It, 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 you're bang on. I mean, they need it. They don't have it, and they're not comfortable throwing heat. But also, like, you have to question the tactics because if he's only seeing sliders and off-speed is what actually trips him up a little bit, mm-hmm. which is true, I don't really understand why you're just floating middle-cut middle, middle cut sliders in for him to literally take batting practice with. Like, their strategy for Aaron Judge, it would have been better putting the seams into his backside in that situation than throwing that slider. But just, it goes back to what they have available to them. Like, that's what Swanson does. That's what he's there to do, is to throw that slider and get outs with it and get swing and miss and all that stuff. Kevin Gosman, now, he's not he's not being brought in the late innings to, fit, fit, to pitch to judge but guess what he's there to do he's there to throw his splitter okay he has other pitches they can work but mm-hmm. he's only going to be as good as his splitter is and with a reliever like Swanson he's only going to be as that sli- as good as that slider is with a guy like Zach Pop who's not really a part of the mix right now he's only going to be as good as that sinker is and that's the thing about relievers who are not 1A relievers in this league is we talk about this all the time with hockey players of like yeah, that guy in your middle six, you'd like him to give you a little more. He wouldn't be in your middle six if he did. He would be a top six guy. And we talk about this with relievers. A guy like Swanson, if he had another pitch outside of just the slider or if the slider was a touch more devastating, he he wouldn't have been had for Teoscar Hernandez. It would have been a lot more than that, and he would have been the, be a lockdown closer. So I think it just goes back to not having enough, and it's, it is about the high, high end. They have, they have so many pieces that I feel good about in seventh inning roles or or whatever but 
And Romano, I want to be clear. If he got bumped to the eighth inning, I wouldn't be mad about that. But I think he can be your closer. But you just you sometimes need that he guy. gets in the slider city. You like need he just that guy throws, who throws the... gas. You do. Yeah. And Romano, uh, same thing. Can he, it's not that Romano's out there at ninety two, but he's not popping the mid at hundred plus. He's just not. No, it's an issue. Uh, I think uh, we were sort of naive to think that it wasn't going to be an issue. I mean, I think it's the thing that's been prevailing for so long. It's something that popped up in the playoffs last year. It pops up in big moments. It pops up when Aaron Judge is at the plate and he's just devastating any slider that he sees. Uh, uh, he promised, apparently, so go on. I was just going to say text line vindicated me. It was Howie Clark. Howie Clark. I thought Beautiful. we were moving on. That's Beautiful. We are. We're going to stay just with the Blue Jays for a second. Yeah, uh, good. Choice words were promised, apparently, mm. from Aaron Judge to the broadcast team here at Sportsnet. Apparently, Aaron Judge wasn't happy about uh, how Shulman, Buck, and I, I guess Hazel, and everyone by extension, sort of insinuated that he was cheating. I thought they tapped around it pretty well. My, I, I mean, uh, they just showed the eye glancing. My favorite thing about this, and I want to be clear, this isn't coming from the Yankees. This is coming from an in, uninformed section of their fan base, but being like, oh, these two guys, do they even watch baseball that's not the Blue Jays? And it's like, oh, Dan Schulman, the former mm-hmm. voice of Sunday Night Baseball and ESPN. Buck Martinez, who calls playoff games every single year that are not Blue Jays games. Mm-hmm. Those two guys, that was my favorite part of the reaction. And yeah, they perfectly tap danced around it. They said it was weird. They showed it. It was a classic Sometimes I they just will, didn't ignore it. So here's what they're, it is. They're it's guilty a, of not ignoring something that it, was clearly notable. Here's what I think it's like. Do you ever sometimes read? I don't know. Sometimes I'll read something and it's like, I want to get lathered up and mad by it. And I'll be like, oh, I don't feel like the writer was hard enough on the subject matter. And the writer pushback would always be, well, yes, I was just putting it out there and letting the, the reader take what they will with it. And that's exactly what I feel like Buck and Dan did. They're like, hmm, this is odd to me. Fill in the blank with whatever you wish. I think if you've heard me talk about baseball long enough and you've watched baseball long enough, we all kind of think the same thing. I think that's a perfectly fair thing to say. They might have inferred. They might have implied. but mm-hmm. They did not come out right and say it. And again, it keeps going back to it. Why are you so sensitive if it's within the rules? Because it is within the rules, so stop being so sensitive, Yankees. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. exited the game with Oh, that was bad, too. Discomfort. That was not good. He will have an MRI uh, to address that. So a uh, thing to potentially be concerned about and bring consternation. Rome is burning! No! Later on. Uh, we are giving away Jays tickets again in the 7 a.m. A.m. hour, excuse me. So you? make sure that you are listening. Then, uh, let's go to the continued discussion on the Maple Leafs. Um, and yesterday, uh, you know, every time Elliot's, you know, I think he's guest 1A, they call him or something like that on the A-Block Elliot, A-Block, I believe. A-Block Elliot on the Jeff Merrick show. He was on the Jeff Merrick show with Matt Marchese yesterday. And guess what? We have Matt Marchese on at 7 a.m. Uh, to talk about that and more surrounding the Maple Leafs. But uh, he just gave an update. He being Elliot Freeman gave an update on the progress between Dubas and Shanahan and may have pointed to things stalling just a bit. We have that sound. Uh, let's play that now. They've been talking about an extension, and it really heated up, I think, Sunday, and uh, they were working towards it, I heard, and yesterday kind of grinded it to a halt for a bit. And, um, like, like, again, I've been pretty consistent about this. I think they are bringing him back, or we're going to. I'm under the impression everybody was hoping to get this done this week, and I think there was momentum to getting it done this week. And now I think it's kind of in Dubas's hands a little bit. Like, after he speaks to his family, how do they all feel? But also, how does MLSE feel? Are they concerned at all that this is 
A little flare at the end there. Yeah, it's interesting. From <laughs> I, I, it's it's I. I have to be honest. This is very me to make it all about myself. But I feel so vindicated hearing that because you know we were we were in a bit of a standby limbo mode on Sunday, and uh, I don't know if you recall, it's Mother's Day. My wife is like, uh, so what can we do today? And I'm like, mm, some things, but not too much in case I got to spring into work mode here. And she's like, so what's happening? And I, I my prevailing theory was that they spent Sunday negotiating with Kyle Dubas. And yep. the fact that Fridge said it, look how, look how smart I am. It doesn't surprise me. It really continues to, at the moment he spoke, it felt to me like this was his decision and not the Leafs. And everything we have heard since then has made that more crystal clear. It continues to come down to it. And the, the crux of the issue, I think, needs to be is, is there a, and there needs to be, but is there a drop dead date for the Leafs? Like the, we've, we've covered it ad nauseum, all of the important business that this team mm-hmm. has to do between now and the, the, not the end of the, or sorry, not the beginning of free agency, but potentially the draft because of all the no moves kicking in. So I think that, I think that they need to have a move on date from it, but I also think they need to be a little flexible with that because, you know, we'll lay out our best and worst case scenarios in a second here, but I think the Leafs are better off with Kyle Dubas being their GM than not. Yeah. He said yesterday, Tuesday. So he was talking about Monday. The locker cleanout was Monday. I wonder if that's why the entire day descended into chaos Maybe. Uh, in terms of, you know, what the media was expecting and what we were, what they were preparing to do or what they thought they were going to do, they being the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Very interesting position. We're going to see how this evolves, but I think it does set us up nicely for our best and worst case scenarios because it kind of leads into my worst case scenario, which is that Dubas and Shanahan drag this thing out and it ends with Dubas exiting in Mm. the end. So if again, we're we're sort of just doing our hypotheticals before July 1, what would be the worst, what would be the best? And if this thing goes on for not just a couple days here, but weeks, and the Leafs are little, left with little time to put plan B in action, I get there's contingencies in place, but it's like ideas. It's basic conversations. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, you know, working out or grinding out the details on a contract with someone who's going to run the franchise. I think it really, really ham- hamstrings them, and I think it might force them into this fully thought-out plan or fully thought-out worst-case scenario, which is, you know... You're scrambling. Mm-hmm. Keith sticks around because you're scrambling. <laughs> yep. Pridham takes the Calgary job because oh, okay. Dubas has already left. Dubas's replacement is maybe a retread and is named just a couple weeks before meaningful decisions have to be made. Core four trade isn't made because how could you so quickly? Uh, the Murray problem can't be solved. The sheer volume of UFAs makes it so that the new GM and executive team panics and starts mm-hmm. signing a bunch of the players yep. that already exist here. And the draft ban is sloppy because how could it not be? And the worst part of all that, and we're not going to do post July one here, but you get no indication, or maybe you get indication that Matthews is like, not sure about what's going on because the last month has been complete chaos. That is my worst <laughs> case scenario. And Frege's reporting yesterday kind of leads me to that being actual, uh, possibility here with the Leafs scrambling behind the scenes. I have a pretty similar worst case scenario. Kyle Dubas out. I actually, I don't think it'd be good to bring somebody in from the outside. I think it's a problem if you're just simply bumping Brandon Pridham up. There is almost certainly going to be a big trade that needs to be made. We all, what are, what was the biggest criticism of Kyle Dubas taking over? Do you want a guy learning on the job at the most important part of this franchise's history? Well, if it was important then, it is only more important now. So that's where I stand on that. Like you said, Keith back, Matthews providing no certainty of the details of what a, uh, an extension could potentially 
uh, sound like. Worst case scenario is he is dealt at the draft before that. And then Mitch Marner becomes the face of your franchise. You strip John Tavares of the sea and give it to Mitch Marner to give it. That is the worst case <laughs> okay, scenario. Trump's mind. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Uh, and then hold on. There's a little more here. Nylander getting overpaid because you have Goss Matthews. So there's no way you can afford him to leave. Jason Spezza frustrated with the way things are going here leaves to become the new face of a regime in Ottawa. Oh, yes. And even if somebody else is like the GM in name, but he's the prez and the boss there, that would be just way too twisting of the knife. So that is my doomsday scenario that I cooked up for myself. Yeah. I know you said no July 1st. They kind of cheated a little there, okay. but I wanted to. You're a Yankee. I wanted to inflict pain on myself. Yeah, uh, that's that's fair. Uh, and just to lay it out, if it wasn't obvious, definitely hypothetical. Yes, here very, as we transition very hypothetical from the real reporting from. Uh, Elliot Friedman. Uh, okay, my best case. This gets resolved today. Kyle Dubas gets what he wants in negotiations. Free mm-hmm. reign to make decisions even more so than before. And we can, yep. you know, speculate how much uh, free reign he actually had. Uh, Dubas lets Sheldon Keefe go. Uh, he's no longer tied to his coach. Mm-hmm. He gets to bring in someone new and he gets to keep Brendan Pridham because he doesn't take that job. He wants to be a Leaf. Dubas quickly identifies a coach with a track record of success. I know this name isn't the most popular one, but Joe Quenville has to be kind of considered here, right? Like, I I understand. They need need a coach. This sounds so sports radio, it hurts. They need a coach, and I know they had one, who can walk in the room and slam some cup rings on the table and tell you this is how it's done. Yeah, and, and a guy who's universally respected inside the coaching fraternity. I understand that he's lost respect across the league. But a guy, if you just polled head coaches, forget NHLPA player poll, coaching player poll, coaches poll, yep. uh, Joel Quenville might be the guy that they say is the best in the world. Uh, so you've got to at least consider guys with a track record of success, which is the opposite to mm-hmm. a certain extent of Sheldon Keefe. Uh, Dubas then exec, uh, executes a Mitch Marner trade, taking back two immediate impact pieces, one to address the blue line and one to fill a forward position in the top six. Matt Murray goes away without spending the first round pick. Okay. Leafs indicate that the vast majority of UFAs will be cut loose, uh, and this includes mm-hmm. the specifics of Kerfoot, Hall, Camp, and Bunting. They're all gone. Sorry, sorry, Gunner. Nah, look, I, I, I know that's coming. I'm preparing myself for the pain. I love you, Michael. We, we are surprised by a contract extension with either Ryan O'Reilly or Luke Shen because oh. it sounded like both of them were yeah. leaving. Maybe we get a little surprised with one of them That'd staying. Be nice. And most importantly, of course, we get a report that Matthews intends to sign an extension July one. All right, uh, pretty close to my best case scenario as well. Kyle Dubas returning as GM. There is a new coach. I didn't go as far as to name the coach, uh, but I'm I, not naming. No, no, I, no, no. I, I look. Can you can you get him in the interview room? Yes, can we very, get Joel Quenville in for an interview? That'd be very nice. Mitch Marner dealt before the no move kicks in. Now this one I don't really know. This is a little bit of spitballing here, but to get sexy, to Buffalo mm. for a trade that centers around Tage. Thompson. Now, this is tough because of the contract, but Thompson has had 15% shooting percentage for the past two seasons. Mm -hmm. Austin Matthews has had years like that. He doesn't always have it. So I think there's a bit of sell high, maybe. The idea you fix your center problem there, you save about $4 million on the cap. Who knows what Marner gets on his next deal? Now, that's a tough one. I'm not saying it okay. happens there, but we're spitballing here. I could also be talked into Owen Power if they want to go down that road. The Sabres are a team that has a lot of very nice pieces, but they do not have up front. How many stud defensemen do you really need? Well, exactly. And and the Sabres do not have that game breaker up front. I know people will say, oh, Thompson, 50 goals, 90, 95 points. Uh, it was 94 and 47, actually, and the shooting percentage stuff. So I, 
spitballing, do I think that'll actually happen? No. Dream scenario, I would love to see that. And then you can take the four million bucks that you're saving roughly mm-hmm. there, allocate that to the blue line. Obviously, that doesn't fix all your problems back there, but it does give you a little more wiggle room. Uh, and then Matthews, like you said, says says, forget I'm going to sign. It's going to be for eight. If we're doing best case scenario, <laughs> you didn't say it had to be realistic. Uh, so I yeah. didn't. You're right. That's uh, that's your best case scenario there. Uh, okay. Uh, great exercise. You like Tage Thompson. You like that. Uh, of course you I th- do. It's, of course I do. A lot of goal scoring. Okay, uh, for, but, uh, forget Selkie nominees. Forget three zone so impact. I, I know we got other stuff to do, but that was the one I was having trouble with. Is like, and obviously those two guys are completely different players. Center, big center, small winger, guy who's done it for a long time, guy who has just kind of burst on the scene, guy who makes all the money he should, guy who has a better contract. I really don't know how to look at those two value wise because I think Marner is still the better player but when you add in contract so Tage is at Tage's deal just kicked in and it's at like 7-4 or something like that that's the that's the thing that makes it so much more appealing and that is what makes me second guess if the Sabres would would actually do it I'm gonna guess they won't do it yeah (laughs) I I think general manager so in the NHL uh, Kevin Adams they're so Kevin risk Adams adverse, would not right? do this they're yeah. so risk adverse they're like oh we've got something good happening here can I just buy myself some more time with this innocent climb yeah can I just do this for a little longer without making a real impact move that will bring on criticism if I, it doesn't work I also like, that's just how they operate I also think it's a great threat to Marner because we all think the worst thing would be like sending him to Arizona no I think the worst thing for him would be being so close to being a leaf that he could taste it and happen to see it all the time. I actually think that would be the worst case scenario for him. That might be uh, a bit of a problem. Um, okay, big news in the media world. We're going to do oh. that in the A-list. Oh. Uh, and that is next. I don't even know this. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, we are back with an a-, a rare A-list. We've been uh, jamming content into the 6.30 block with such a busy time in Leafland, but it's time for a kicker story, as we like to call it, and I promise mm. media news. Here is the media news, Gunner. The Pat McAfee Show is headed to ESPN. His weekday sports show will be on ESPN this fall as a part of a multi-year deal. It'll be on ESPN, ESPN Plus, and ESPN's YouTube channel. It lives on YouTube right now mm-hmm. with its own entity yep. that is funded by a $120 million deal from a sports book. I'm not sure if we're supposed to say the sports book, but it's a sports book that you may use. They ain't given um, us any of it. So. No. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to leave behind a $120 million contract in the second year of that and ESPN's uh, obviously <laughs> picked up on how yeah. big this show is and how much of a moneymaker it is. I can't imagine how much it is worth in the end. But the interesting thing about the Pat McAfee show going to ESPN is that, you know, they vowed to not change a damn thing, quote. Yeah. Uh, but they kind of have to because sure. there is a lot of vulgarity yes. on the show. There is a lot of... Uh, pretty sure, the, pretty the sure AJ Hawk just smokes a cigar yeah, throughout so the I, entirety of it. I want And, and things change, right? Things yeah. become corporatized. And I wonder if this show will lose its soul just a little bit. They said, again, that they're planning to not change anything other than that they decided they won't say the F word as much. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to go on ESPN and be like, hey, guys, let me tell you where to get the best ayahuasca. I don't think that's going to happen. And that happen. was my next question. Will Aaron Rodgers even come on anymore? Like, I, I think he does. does it's he, like a weekly. It's, 
Does he hate ESPN? Can we say that? Does he I hate mean, ESPN? I think he kind of. I think he kind of hates everyone. The guy. Yeah. The guy left the league for. Well, he didn't leave the league. Doesn't but he hate went, Pat. He went on vacation, and his idea. Like again, I think it's safe to say he hates people when his idea of a vacation is sitting in a dark hole where yeah. they slide food to you through a little slit in the door. Okay, I think that's safe to say. But Pat Mac, if he was the one guy he seemed to like, and he would go on there to make news and tell everyone he's going to the Jets about a month and a half before he actually went to the New York and Jets. deny that there's a list that every guy from the list is now on the Jets and deny all that. Yeah, that's and now, what he did. now he might have to play nice with ESPN if he wants the biggest platform available to him, which seemed like it was the Pat McAfee show. Yeah, I think I think what this is all about for for McAfee is that there is a real chance that he gets to be kind of the maybe this is too strong a word because I feel like Adam Schefter is the face of football at ESPN, but it might be him. You know, college game day is part of that program as well. He is the kind of fun, effervescent guy. The fact that he is this character, he's allowed to Stephen A. Smith it a bit and get hot. No one expects it from him. So uh, an interesting move. I imagine that most people will end up disappointed by it, though, because if you love something because it's it's an outlaw show and it's outside of the bounds, mm-hmm. then you bring it in. It it, it just it never seems to work this way. Yeah, same. it has to conform uh, 100%. You can't... <laughs> can't do what McAfee does and not conform and be, or, or, and be on ESPN. It's, yep. it's just not really possible. Um, but it is interesting. I mean, this is one of the biggest media stars going, and uh, we'll see what changes that brings to the Pat McAfee show. I purposely left very little time for this one because we got about 30 seconds. Um, but Bet Online, which I guess we can say, even though it's, you know, not really, it's not regular. I am so gun shy to say anything. I almost didn't say <laughs> shut up this morning, okay? Yeah, yeah. That is true. Um, if Matthews leaves, Bet Online. Peg the favorite oh. to land Austin Matthews if you know if he plays for a team a different team next year. What a fun bet to hit on two to one that he will land with the Chicago Blackhawks. Two so to we, we, and that's anyone but Toronto. Okay, so if it's voided if it's not okay. Toronto. Right. But we always thought, or I always thought, L.A. Kings, LA. baby, L.A. or New Tinseltown. York is what I always thought. Yeah, and L.A. I think was like six, seven to one. Maybe the so, guy, maybe the guy sneaky loves the cold. We always think it's like, hey, he's an Arizona guy. It's like he wants to go spend his winter in Chicago, maybe. Ugh. Yeah, it's a, I mean, there's a bit of a connection. I think a lot of the snowbirds in Chicago go to Arizona. Oh, I don't okay. know if there's anything there. But... Oh, I know there's, a, I know like Calgary, Arizona is there, Florida. Like mm-hmm. I know there's Same something to that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Is uh, does he want to play with Bedard? Is there is there something real there? Is this just speculation to make content? Probably. But uh, you know, <laughs> I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. If you're pretty certain that L.A. would be the destination, though, there might be some money to be be made there. Six or seven to one. The I think saddest six and I'd and a half ever to be to win a bet. Again, I vo- love a, I love a happiness voided hedge. Could if not, he stays, could not do that one. Voided if he stays, so you could actually do it with really no no stakes. Re- yeah, really no stakes because you might he's be staying. confident he's that staying. he's coming back I am. I am. to Toronto, which. I think he will do. We'll talk about that and more with our buddy Matt Marchese after the break.